Yeah, so this week I'll be my dedication. I'll dedicate it to my family, my wonderful mom and dad, my sister and my brother. Shout out to what they've done for me throughout the years and here's to continual amazing future ahead. folks we got a good episode for you today uh we're gonna go off the cuff it's a black man in seattle asian man in la with your boy wolf and lynn hello uh, we're gonna talk about everything that's on our mind and i got i got some stuff i gotta get off my chest today all right so how was your week wolf? it was it was long you know uh, work keeping me busy going in and doing what I do there uh, good folks there but keeping me busy how about you <laughs> after finishing a nine day work week I needed that four day break it was oh yeah four days off. yeah four days it was, it was beautiful I saw the sunrise <laughs> I got some sleep go in yeah yes uh, I do my, my condolences <laughs> I wish I could work from home, but it's not really feasible with my company. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what this. All right. Uh, what is your uh, weekly event for news? Well, first I wanna I wanna you know, this might this might be the last episode of our podcast here for what I gotta say. <laughs> I got, oh no. Yeah, I'm I, I got a problem, Seattle. And just going outside and uh, dealing with the people that I deal with on a daily daily basis outside. I'm not I'm not talking about the people on my work. I'm talking about just the general civilian population here in Seattle. I want to talk about the biggest problem Seattle has, and it's not the Mariners, and that that's a huge problem. You know how I feel about the Mariners. Yes, I do. It's not the Seattle Seahawks. You know, Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll going through their marriage thing. But it, it, we, the children of Seattle, will be okay. Mom and dad is going to figure it out. We're we going to be okay. I want to I talk about this virus that's going on in Seattle that people refuse to acknowledge or they don't believe they have it. But it, it's, it's akin to the movie uh, They Live with the uh, – Roddy Piper, you you remember that movie mm-hmm. where they, where only he can see it, right? You see people for the, who they truly are, and that's that's what African Americans deal with in Seattle or in my in other minorities. Mm. But I'll, I'll talk from a black man's perspective because I'm a black man. I wanna I wanna preface before I go in, into Seattle's ass, uh, saying that. I am currently at this time uh, married to a white woman. I have been for 12 years. And my children are biracial. Um, but they are they are going to be seen as uh, black men to the general population. Uh, I want to I try and make this a better place for them and uh, for myself. But Seattle, y'all, y'all, got, y'all got the virus called racism problem out here. And it's not that blatant down south, you know, get off my lawn racism. It's that covert racism. And that's, to me, that's the worst kind. Uh, 
I want to go into there's this one comedian that says uh, the difference between like the liberal racism and the conservative racism, the conservative racism, they'll be like, go back to Africa. But the liberal racism, they're like, I've been to Africa and. And so. It, it's it's real subtle racism. It, it, it messes with you, though, if you're a minority here in Seattle and it, it makes you question yourself as a black person. It's, it's gotten so bad for me that it. I began to question my own intelligence, my own capacity to understand certain things. People here talk to you as if you're slow. They they praise you for completing the simplest of daily tasks. They only care, or or, or, or they'll praise you. They'll, people will come up to me, random people I don't know, and praise me for taking care of my black, my black children. There, there's this superiority complex that they have about themselves, the white, the white people here in Seattle. And it seems like uh, the richer they are, the, the more uh, of the subtle racism that they have. Uh, yeah. I told you about, uh, Lynn, this retail store that I worked at uh, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to the specific name of that uh, retail store, but I was up for a promotion one time. And I, I, I want to, I'll stop there. Uh, I, before I go into that, I want to say that I lived in Alabama for 10 years. And I never dealt with the type of racism that I dealt with out here in Seattle. So I, so out here in Seattle in my early 20s, I was up for a promote a promotion, uh, and uh, <laughs> during the interview process, this woman asked me if I could read. Oh my god! And I, I laughed. Yeah, I laughed it off and looked at I. You know, I looked at her face and she was dead serious. And I and I, I asked her, why would you ask me this question? Why aren't you asking me if I can read? And uh, she told me later on that this one person that I worked with in the store was telling everybody that she didn't think I could read. And that everybody knew that I was going to college. Everybody knew that I was uh, writing a bunch of essays and stuff on certain things and getting praise in my English class for it. Uh, but she she still was adamant about uh, asking me if I could not if I could read or not, and I've I've never had that experience uh, down south, but out here I did. I had I have people run up to me and ask me if I'm okay because the shot, uh, cops are shooting people on the news. I had uh, people go out of their way. I had a woman run across run across the parking lot in a in a store uh, parking lot, almost got hit by a car just to come up to me and uh, pr- compliment my children and she wanted to touch their hair I've had so many people yeah I had so many people out here in Seattle try to touch my children's hair because their hair is curly uh, uh, and uh, fluffy and large I, I don't know why they get the entitlement to believe that they can touch my children's hair random people would just come up to you and ask if they could touch your children no hell no Oh yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll try to. I've, I had a woman try to kiss my oh. kid on the mouth. Yeah, when they were a baby. I, yeah, and they they're always trying to touch his, touch their hair. Um, and it's only white people that do it. Uh, they talk to you differently, such as t- telling you uh, when they request something from you. There, it's more of them telling you as if you're the help. And these people, they don't believe that they're racist because. 
they ha- they they worship Oprah and they read a couple books that she recommends or they read a book by a minority. As a as a black man in America, you can decide which type of racism uh, you have to decide at some point what type of racism uh, you're going to deal with and how it's packaged. Usually it's determined where you live. New England racism racism is a lot different than the Bible Belt, dirty, dirty racist. Not, uh, not, I'm not talking about uh, these type of races, though. I'm talking about the Northwest racist, specifically Seattle racist. As a Black person in America, again, you have to decide what type of racism you like and what and how it's packaged. Me, I like mine straight shot, no chaser, raw, no bread, no lettuce, no mayo, no sides. Just give me the meats, like Arby's. Don't pretend to be my friend when you beha- your behavior indicates otherwise. That's why I have a preference of the Southern racist over the Northwest racist. The Southern racist will at least warn you with the Confederate flag on their lawn or their bed sheets with the holes cut out hanging on the clothesline outside. It, or their tread or their don't tread on me signs. These are all equivalent to beware the beware of the dog or or no trespassing signs to black people. The Northwest racist, uh they were they wear a BLM shirt. They'll donate to the cause, protest with us, just to just to fill their cups. Hell, even some of them even date black people. I, I, but when they're not on social media, when there's no one watching them. In a group setting, they make racist jokes or go back to their non-black uh, rich neighborhoods, lay their heads on their bed, and think that they made a difference because because they tweeted something or said something profound uh, to their right. white friends. And it's not like we're condemning somebody making a racist joke. If it's in good fun and you know nobody's really offended, it, it's fine to do those. A lot of comedians even do those all the time. The difference is how you interpret yeah. it and how other yeah. people interpret your yeah. message. If it comes yeah. off as bad and, and other people perceive it as bad, the message comes across worse, and even if you didn't intend it. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's just really awkward, off-key, off just, just, yeah, just bad timing and terrible jokes. Uh, there, there's a lot of spectrums to the racism, and on one end, there's the overt racism, and then the other, on the opposite end of that, there's pity. And, and black people, we don't need your pity. We, we, we just need your respect as a human being. We don't need you to, we don't need you to see us as a project to make yourself feel better or to validate your existence or to post on social media or to brag their friends that you did something good today. We don't need any of that from you guys. We just need your respect. Uh, there's a lot of people here in Seattle that do things for black people just to fill their cups. Uh, just to say that they helped a black person or to per- or to perceive themselves as a good person. I, I, one thing that really bothered me about this Seattle racism was when the Black Lives Matter movement was at its uh, peak earlier this year and uh, late last year. I, I noticed a lot of white businesses putting up the BLM signs at the height of the protest, hoping it would have the same effect as the blood smeared above the uh, doors uh, during Passover for the Jew- Jewish people in the Bible. But they took it down right after the coast was clear. At the height of the BLM, BLM movement, I'd walk around down and see it, downtown and see it everywhere. And now I barely see one BLM see sign now. In LA. That the, over. No, I see, I see a lot none. In LA? There's no signs here. Oh, yeah. 
they were yeah, everywhere. They were everywhere. I even went to Boston last year and I saw them at pretty much, I would say, once every few blocks. Yeah, so either the problem is solved or our lives don't matter anymore to these people. And they, they, again, they put, they put the signs up hoping that the only reason I think that they put the signs up is hoping that the the writers, uh, the small amount of writers that happened that broke broke in businesses and stuff like that, wouldn't touch their businesses because they had the BLM sign up. Uh, this racism out here is a is a virus worse than the coronavirus. Everyone out here thinks that they have herd immunity because everyone is so like minded here. They think that their like mindedness only creates a vac. The fact is that their like their like mindedness only creates a vacuum or an echo chamber or a bubble where racism thrives. What if the racism is an incurable virus? Or once you have it, there's no cure, only therapeutics. You you unknowingly transmit it to all your loved ones, to all your friends, all your all your family. And since these people up here are so stubborn and refuse to look at themselves, they create a bubble of like-minded people to protect themselves from what they qualify as racist. They only create a barrier between themselves uh, and, and, it, and black people looking from the outside in. Uh, they see that there's two different races, uh, races, racisms, and they're creating a barrier between themselves. And it's the racism of the Seattle Northwest people, which they assume is an acceptable form of racism. And there's the opposing uh, form of bigotry uh, from the, the conservative oh. side. And now that everyone has this virus, the symptoms of the virus become the norm. So everyone believes that they have herd immunity, but in reality, the virus has reached the majority of the people. So the minority of these people, which is me, and other black people, we stand back and just see all of these, all these people as infected with the same virus. And we're, we're the ones suffering from it. it. Seattle has to take accountability for the, the covert racism that just festers here. It really bothers me. I'm not, I don't think I'm doing it justice for, how, for, for what I'm trying to say. But Seattle has a huge racism problem. I, I felt like I needed to get that off. Do you my feel chest. like as it goes on, it it'll start to get worse and worse? Like it'll start to escalate in a sense and yes, go from just you know subtle to outward, and then worst being physical. Yeah, it, it it may, but I think this is the worst form of racism because. It's accepted as the norm, and it, it, they don't see it as racist. I think down south racism, they know that they're racist, and they they don't care, but they know that they're racist. They know that their that their behavior is not it's it's not conducive for uh, people of uh, minorities to uh, live next to them or or be around them. They they know that. Uh, minorities don't like them, and they don't like minorities. Out here in Seattle, they think that they're actually helping us. Mm. But they look down on us, though. It does. If that and makes sense. I think as it goes on, the worst part is 
they don't know that they're doing it. Which I don't know if it's entirely yeah. worse that they don't know that they're perpetuating this behavior. Or if they do know and they're doing this on purpose, it just muddles up the whole relationship between minority groups, even minority to minority, and then minority to not uh, to majority. It's it's disheartening to see in a lot of senses. Even in LA, you get this between even Asian groups here do it to each other to a certain extent. And there's been a lot of hate in that community as well. Speaking of, um, the rise of Asian American hate has been on the rise a lot lately. Yeah. I saw that. I saw, I've been seeing a lot of clips and videos of uh, just random people beating up Asian Americans. And it is black people too, uh, just welling on them. And again, this isn't because they've done anything wrong in a sense. This isn't because Asian people as a whole spread the virus. It was unintentional that this virus affected the entire world. It just happened to be out of China. If this was out of Senegal, you wouldn't see people on the streets just hitting black people. It doesn't make sense to just beat up an Asian man, say in Toronto, because a virus in China got spread to America. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, this, I, this shit is wild, man. It's And it's not getting the same uh, traction in the news as, you know, when the no, pops shoot not. black people. Nobody, I haven't seen any and, major and news it, outlets even sprinkling an inkling of what these people are going through. In LA alone, there's been so many older Asian male and female people being pushed to the streets, beat up. Their businesses are being torn into. Some even shot up. In Atlanta alone this week, eight people mm. were killed, six of which being Asian American women. Oh, was that? Is that what? Oh, okay. So I, I just saw the highlighted. I didn't know that it was an Asian. I'm not uh, entirely sure business. if these are Asian owned businesses, but the majority of the people who have died from these attacks were Asian American. And this happened in Atlanta wow. in two places, one in Ackworth near the uh, outer Atlanta area and one between Brookhaven and East Point in northern Atlanta. It, 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 wow. I heard, I heard the guy that did, perpetrated that, uh, that horrific act uh, he was a sex addict and he was angry with a lot of females um, about his sex addiction or something, something like that. Uh, bits of the story is coming out, but yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, what What is going on right now? It, and it's not just in Atlanta. It's not just in LA. This is all across America and none of it is being covered. It's only the major ones that are like out there, out there. And we have to have other celebrities perpetuating it for even it to become an issue. LeBron James had a tweet about this before it even got the news entirely. He was what do you say? basically tweeting, saying his condolences about what happened. I was confused. I had to look up the news at that point because I didn't see it on BBC. I didn't see it on New York Times. Nothing until after that tweet came out. Either it's slow or the news outlet's not really picking this up as much. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, 
Yeah, it's wild. And I'm glad LeBron said something about it. And, he, and then after that, he tweeted about his oh teammates. Oh, my goodness. We're not, uh, we're we're not doing that right now. Court. Anyway, uh, <laughs> even, even Jeremy Lin, who's playing in, I believe, the G League right now for the Santa Cruz Warriors, uh, one of the people on another team Dang. called him. Uh, th- this is from an opposing team. He called Jeremy Lin coronavirus. It, this it, year, I believe this it was year last month. That? That's, that's that's not that's not even a good no. like insult. It, that's stupid. It's not like uh, none of these people understand that the majority of things that are going on right now, it is not the fault of one specific person. It's not the fault of one specific group. This spread was going to happen whether it came out of China, Canada, America. It doesn't matter. This disease was going to go everywhere. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's uh, coronavirus related or not. It's just it might just be that the news is just covering it now, uh, and it's just local news. It's not even the major networks, but you know how they cover police shootings of black people, you know, randomly, and it seems like oh, and at this certain time uh, a year, you know, all these black people are getting shot. But it's the same. It's it's the same throughout the you know whole entire year. It's not like it's uh, just a, you know, just it's a height all of a sudden when uh, the news Correct. is However, uh, locks the in on it. The proportionate numbers to these have been extensive. It's It's been on the rise more and more. Even in L.A. communities, in a lot of senses between the black and the Asian community, there has been a lot of struggle and a lot of tension. And this is back in the days yeah. of the L.A. riots, too. Yeah. It's been an ongoing issue. But you didn't see people... Yeah outwardly going to restaurants and other family-owned businesses, shooting up the place, or outwardly just attacking a man out of nowhere, at least not in these heightened senses and not as much as it used to be. Due in large part to the virus and other parts being that the tensions between groups have just gotten to another boiling point and we are where we are. Yeah, it's it's some wild times now, man. I haven't been paying attention to the news as much as I used to at the height of the coronavirus and the BLM. I stopped watching after the riot, uh, not the, um, the Capitol mm. building invasion. I stopped watching after that. I was, I, and I, I quit watching before that too, for a while, but it, it just, yeah, it just, uh, yeah, it's rough out there, man. Yeah, we just God hope everyone everybody. who's listening, everybody who's out there right now who's even not listening, just stay safe. Tell your family you love them and hold the people you hold dear close to you. Hopefully we ride this thing out and we get to a better point than where we were when we started this. Yeah. It, it's got it. Something's got to change. Let's, uh, let's uh, get off this heavy note here. <laughs> yeah, Let's get into something more uh, lighthearted. Right, I got? got some news for you. I got. Uh, oh. You heard about the Pinocchio live action movie? Where, where is this going? Your boy, your boy, your boy Tom <laughs> Hanks is gonna play Geppetto. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Jiminy Cricket. 
Cynthia Arevo blue is going to be the blue fairy. Luke Evans as the coachman. Keegan Michael <laughs> Key as Honest John. <laughs> Benjamin Evans. I never heard of this kid. He's going to be playing uh, Benjamin Evan Ainsworth is his name. Oh, Haunting of Blind Manor. I, ne- I haven't watched that. Is that the uh, Haunting? I am not entirely sure, but it's gotten rave reviews by a lot of people. Apparently it's marvelous. I haven't had the pleasure of watching it yet. All right. Yeah, your boy going to be Pinocchio. And uh, Lorraine Bracco as uh, Sophia the Seagull. Uh, that's the. Uh, I don't Tony understand why a lot of the Disney classics and all the animated movies are getting a live action adaption. Because. Uh, well, yeah, they got to eat, but they could just make a more original <laughs> content. Look what they did with Frozen, with Soul. I mean, they still have ideas. It's not like they're going away. But why beat a dead horse in a sense? I mean, they got. They got all these IPs and they got to do something with them. But why don't you put that? I, I mean, they have way too many projects going around already as it is. And th- this just seems lazy in a sense. So just go back to what they originally had. And they're not even making it better in a sense. They're just remaking it in a new format. Yeah, these live action uh, remakes aren't usually not good like i'm trying to think of like dumbo i, I didn't I even know it came that out. even came that's the out problem yeah it was like danny devito and all these other people in it and it, it looked terrible i didn't even watch it oh, and then mulan my, was well the political shitstorm that was mulan was a firestorm and that was going to yeah. be failed from the start yeah and the lion king I mean, that's just blasphemy, putting anything on the screen and saying it's the Lion the, King is just blasphemy. The sequels. Yeah, that was a... That it was, was a, the that was first one, one that went that to live action. That was the first action. one, wasn't it? That was live. okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was decent. But that was directed by John Favreau, and that man can make... God bless his know, soul with what he's doing with Star Wars right good. now. Yeah. He, mm. I mean, he jumped off the MCU with Iron Man, so... And he can cook. So. <laughs> you think he can actually cook like that in the, in the movie, Chef? Yeah. I, I, I've seen him on Netflix cooking, so I'm like... On a, Those on a reality look show, hella so good. I'm like, he's gotta be able to cook. Yeah. He looked like he, looked like he know how to cook. I'm trying to think of like a good live action Disney movie, and there's there's not a good one. We can we can talk about underrated so films that they need to, you know, market better. Like the ones that I, I would say the most popular like, among most people would be Treasure Planet. <laughs> people love the hell out of that movie, but it was marketed <laughs> terribly. It, it, I forgot about that. When did I, that come somewhere out? in early 1900s or 2000s. But that movie did 
for the first time, it combined hand-drawn animation with 3D models. Effectively, I would say. Effectively. 2002. It was gorgeous. Yeah. It, it, it was I, a gorgeous I mean, that movie. Was, that it had a good classic. story. I believe it was adapted from an older pirate's tale into a more futuristic format. And they just massacred the marketing with that thing. It yeah. didn't make enough money for them to, you know, warrant the sales or just justify the amount of money they put into it originally. Yeah, I think they probably should do something with that IP. Uh, it's been, it's been a while. Yeah, it's since two thousand two, so they definitely but should think about. I, I, I do, I do remember one. I, I don't know if Disney made this live action film, but I'm, I'm gonna just go off your reaction. The Legend of Tarzan movie. There's been Tarzan movies, but I don't think okay. Disney has so made they haven't the made a live action one yet, as, live as yet, as far as we know, right? Not. I Disney. think they I can still so. do it. Tarzan is a pretty lovable character, but again, most of the characters in that film would be CG, except except for the main characters, I guess. But there was another. I believe Brendan Fraser also did a live action Tarzan, didn't he? He did like a a dumbed down version of it, yeah. And then uh, what's his name from True Blood that played Eric in True Blood? What's that guy's name? I forget. He's the brother of uh, oh, um, the oh, goodness, clown. the newest one, right? Yeah, thinking the main character. Well, no, he's not the main character, but um, it's like Nordic in name, right? It's, uh, it's like Skarsgård or something. Okay. Um, was it Alexander? Or... Mm. Yeah, Alexander Scars. And apparently, we're, I, I can't we're believe I forgot his name was well. Alexander. There's a more uh, precise pronunciation, which I will not even attempt. I'm sure. Oh, that yeah, was he him. played Tarzan okay. in a movie in 2016. Yeah, he was in the Legend of Tarzan film. No, it was not. It was not. Yeah, Disney but that Disney. wasn't a Disney. I, don't a, think that was a Disney. I, I believe most of them are actors in, the, in that family. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and his dad is he, the uh, the it, scientist from Thor I mean, in the Avengers movie, but he also <laughs> like a creeper, kind of. Well, this this one is All going right, off of got? Netflix, and a lot of people might get pissed about this, but this might be good for people who don't want to share accounts anymore. Netflix is trying to crack down on password sharing. They're going to try to implement a system where you either have to use your phone with a code, like you do through most online services, so say like a bank or anything like that. They would email your account. They would send you a text with the phone saying, is this you? Here's a code, that kind of thing. They issued a statement saying, if you do not live with the owner of this account, you need your own. Basically. Yeah. 
So they, they don't what? want people to share passwords as much anymore. I'm guessing this is an effort to generate more revenue. And it's kind of scummy because a lot of people use Netflix through others. Listen, Netflix, y'all y'all messing up a good thing. Y'all y'all keep turning the temperature on the pot when it when we're already what's it it's now? Fifteen ninety nine we paying a month, fourteen ninety nine a month. Turning the pot up every couple years, and eventually we're gonna feel that especially temperature ra- rising. We're gonna hop out that services pot coming and find out like pot. HBO Max, it, especially with the Snyder Cut, is gonna get a lot of money right now. Hulu, uh, and most notably Disney Plus. Which would be their main competitor as of right now? Yeah. The only reason that I got Netflix is for my kid. I the the majority. I'm being honest. The majority of the time, I'm on Netflix. I'm I'm either watching Power Rangers, or I'm watching. Don't judge me. Uh, or I'm watching, or I'm just flicking through to see what's on there, and it's hard to find anything on there, uh, specifically. But I'm just flicking through there trying to find a show to watch. And usually I'm just adding stuff to my queue. And by the time I'm done, 20 minutes <laughs> in, I, I'm like, I'm done. I don't, but, I don't but, want to on. watch that. But- From Netflix, is there one show that you really like? No, no. Is there a show from Netflix what show? that you like? And that's I'm, the thing. I'm a lot really of people go there for maybe Netflix. an hour and then they're off. It's it's not like the days where you just do a Netflix binge. Yeah, they haven't had any like thing like ridiculously bingeable. The last like, thing how to, I remember making a murderer a or uh, what? Yeah, Tiger King. Everybody or the and their mother. Those used to be was talking about Tiger you King, know, Punisher, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones. We don't talk about Iron Fist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or making a murderer and stuff like that. But then Netflix, they just or Stranger Things, and and Netflix is just losing it now. Like they have, you know, a couple diamonds in the rough, but they're just it's just nothing on there that it's just there. It's Netflix needs to figure something out because they keep raising the price and their quality isn't going up. It's just everybody has Netflix, but it's not like something that's necessary. Nobody, nobody is like, oh my god, if they take if Netflix went off the planet right now, just all of a We'd sudden didn't exist anymore. Nobody Hulu, would be really other, upset. Uh, other streaming services to go through. Netflix isn't necessary right now. Yeah. People, people wouldn't even be mad if they couldn't finish Stranger Things. And I love that show. But it's it's not even, like, as good as it used to be anymore. Like, it, you had to see it. No. There's nothing like that on Netflix anymore. And now HBO Max is getting all, you know, all their movies going straight to HBO Max same day. And you got the, the Snyder Cut coming out tomorrow. And, it, yeah, it's... Netflix needs to figure something out, especially they want to crack down on password sharing. Netflix, I'm telling <laughs> you, you, you do that, you're going to lose a lot of people. Of their clientele, I especially guarantee it. People. Minimum. And then, and yeah, I don't know why you would mess around with the making people 
check their ID on their phone and stuff. I like understand that. this on, is man. a bank. Netflix, y'all, y'all, but y'all tripping. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's two steps. I paid you money. Leave me alone. Netflix, I can I can share have my password with whoever I want to share my password with. Leave can me add alone. people to your accounts, not you know like different people in different areas. You just add a person. So saying, oh, I'll add this guy. I'll put a picture next to his name. Disney Plus is the same thing. Why ruin a good thing by doing this? Yeah, and I, I just want to finish it off by saying, Netflix, man. Y'all tripping with this, but if y'all want to give us oh an ad, goodness. Uh, some ad revenue, I'll at your boys over here. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> say, sell us. <laughs> Got you, you know. Hey, man. Hey, I still, I I appreciate Netflix. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's there. It's something that I'm comfortable with being there. You know, it's a part of it's a part of your life now. It's just something in your when house you love that a you never you never really use, but it's there for years, and you used it. Even if you don't like how it's continuing in the future, you want to see it improve. It's the same thing with YouTube. That thing gets worse every year, and yet I still use it often. I'm hoping it gets better. I'm hoping they stop cracking yeah. down on their bans because most of it is just ridiculous. I mean. They just need to refocus on yeah, I, what the consumer needs and not what their investors need. Because in the long run, they're hemorrhaging money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're still in debt they by made billions, aren't they? Too many movies that didn't generate enough revenue. And this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. But speaking of movies, we're going to move on to our next topic, which is our movie review section. If any of y'all were listening last time, this is basically where we go over two movies, one good, one not so good, based on our standard or just what we pick. They might not work out, but <laughs> as you'll see, at least they're interesting, is all we're going to say. <laughs> the first movie on the agenda that we saw this week, and some of you may have seen it, was a movie called Sex Tuplets, featuring our boy, Marion Waynes. Marlon Waynes? I botched it already, see? Marlon. me up that much. Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah, that was a... It's a 2019 film. I think it was a. It's a Netflix produced Netflix, film. It's a Netflix film. It's a Netflix produced film. Yeah, it's a comedy starring uh, Marlon Wayans. Marlon Wayans. Marlon Wayans. Oh wait, Wayans, wait, wait, and, and don't Marlon forget. And it also Wayans. stars Brescia Webb as Marie, his wife in the film. Um, but yes, Marlon Wayans yes. stars yes. as uh, Alan, Russell, and, Dawn, and my, and Jasper. <laughs> Baby Pete. <laughs> Where do we start with this one? <laughs> oh man, it's a 2019 film, um, Netflix. Uh, it's uh, Marlon Wayans plays uh, Alan Daniels. Correct. And that's a that's the lead name, right? His main character. 
Yeah, uh, and he's a he's a he was orphaned at a young age, uh, and he's expecting uh, a child soon, which gets him curious about his own parents, um, and his and he never knew his birth mother or his father, but he's looking for his uh, birth mother, and he discovers along the way after uh, meeting his first uh, after getting his uh, information, his first brother. Uh, he discovers name. that he has it's five couples. other siblings as well. While this is going on, his wife is pregnant, and he was discussing yeah. with his uh, stepfather that he really wants to find his family, you know, find out who he is, find out his heritage, or you know, just have family to hold on to in another sense. And he goes, and after again, after he finds his first brother, he goes on this adventure to find the rest of his siblings. And as most comedic movies do, it gets worse from that yeah. point onwards. It's kind of it's after he first meets his brother Russell, who's kind of a uh, he's I, I would assume he's in his forties, and uh, he's a stay at he stays home stay he's staying in his mom's house, and he's kind of a. It's kind of a, he's awkward. I don't know what, what how to describe him. He's very awkward, uh, aloof, and Alan uh, goes on a road trip with Russell, his first brother that he meets. Oh, and they eventually meet professional Don, dancer. Who's a former stripper in prison. <laughs> oh, my bad. He's a professional Don is played by Marlon Wayans, Russell's played by Marlon Wayans. Then he meets well, Ethan, he doesn't meet Ethan, who's a hustler who dresses and talks like a, uh, a pimp. Oh, that's right, right. He doesn't, yeah. Uh, his wife meets Ethan eventually after and receives a letter from Alan uh, saying that he wants to meet him. He realizes that Alan has money, so he goes into Alan's work and impersonates him terribly. <laughs> And he gets Alan a promotion by having uh, intercourse with his boss. <laughs> and he goes to Alan's home to rob it. Uh, but his wife is there. And uh, eventually he goes and helps his wife uh, through through her pregnancy. And his wife, Alan's yeah, wife. That helps, was one of the more uh, uh, interesting well, but lovable parts uh, of the film. His where you thought this was going to turn out horribly from Ethan. But Marie handles it really well. She got him from the jump after the breastfeeding class. <laughs> yeah, that was man. You know, you know, it's it's kind of sad though. Like I was the whole time I was like cringing, and that that's not my style. Like nothing makes me cringe usually, but I was like cringing because I was like, it's 2021 and. Stuff like that. It's it's a fine line that you can do. That exactly. If you you mess up, Marlon. Exactly. That's your career. They, he was, <laughs> you can make no more movies. You gotta. You gotta make. Can't. You, right. you just can't like just go for you know be as raunchy as you want to, uh, and, for jokes or whatever. You and gotta, the reason why we're saying this to preface this yeah, is that Ethan during the breastfeeding you gotta class bend the is looking at the other woman's breast in the classroom. He's taking pictures. He's taking videos. And then Marie takes him by the ear and says, who the hell are you? <laughs> and it, it goes from there. And 
the relationship between those two gets interesting as more of a motherly figure to Ethan in a sense. Uh, she tries to get him on the right path, but back to Alan, uh, he's now traveling with Russell and Dawn at this point, and I believe they meet Baby Pete, who's in the hospital. And he's yeah, dying on the hospital bed, and from polio. the doctor comes in the room and says, "Hey, Alan, a wonderful thing you're doing." He's like, "What are you? What are you talking about?" He's like, "Oh, you're going through surgery to help your brother. Easy piece, putting on this act." Like, <laughs> "Thank you, bro. Thank you." <laughs> it's like he's dying on the hospital bed. Russell and Donna are like, "That's some real family shit right here." <laughs> <laughs> Which up to this point, uh, Donna Russell is pretty interesting <laughs> characters. Uh, Donna be. I, I guess type you're kind of like typical, you know, party girl, in a sense. Like she's kind of out there, but she's she's yeah. she's pretty loyal to the family throughout the whole movie. She, Don 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 is your stereotypical <laughs> like hood rat <laughs> ghetto uh, uh, black woman. That's that's who Marlon Wayans portrayed her as, and. It's a. It probably is offensive to a lot of people, but you know he's he's still in his you know early two thousand nineties. He's from that. He's from that generation where that was right. funny back then. So I don't. I don't blame him. It, it's kind of outdated humor, but. Uh, but anywho, it, after I mean, this he, point, he, it's uh, Marlon Wayans. It's Alan really, starts getting cut for surgery, and they notify him that oh, we're going to take out your kidney and give it to you, your brother. <laughs> he runs out of the hospital room gets knocked out by an opening door, I believe, and then they go through with the surgery. Afterwards, Mar- uh, Marlon Wayne's character, Alan, wakes up and they're like, where's where's Pete? And he's absconded to Europe, or, or I believe the Bahamas with the kidney at that point. Yeah, <laughs> like, sip, Is that my kidney? He's like, you don't need no alcoholic more. Alcoholic beverages with his new kidney. <laughs> And then after this point, uh, and then oh my goodness, after baby, they Jasper. meet my favorite character, the last brother. What what is Jasper. a anomaly? <laughs> genetic anomaly would be and, uh, a light skinned black ginger. Yeah. Well, well, they say throughout the movie, it's like a continuing joke that mm-hmm. he, uh, Alan is one twenty seventh Irish. So he was the two percent. That's what uh, Jasper. It, that's where his genetics come from. He's that one twenty seventh. Yeah. And, <laughs> he was uh, an Jasper, operative who worked a, for the CIA what is he, or a some secret kind of government. Um, <laughs> he. Yeah. Yeah. He kidnapped Alan, Alan and Russell. And brings him to his mom's house. Yeah, Alan. He kidnap- yeah, Russell's with him throughout the whole trip. And yeah, Jasper kidnaps Alan and Russell, and interrogates him to figure out why he's looking for him. And Alan explains that he's his brother. And as ja- Jasper is still very suspicious of him, so he, he releases him, but he plans on killing him still. So he pulls Before out a gun. Before all this, Russell him, told Alan. And then the mom dead. shows up. Which is why Alan was trying to find everybody. He wanted to confirm, reconvene yeah. with the family. And then when the mother comes in, 
she basically just solves everything. Jasper breaks down. He's like, Mom? Alan does the same thing. Alan almost dies when she hugs him because she wouldn't let him go. Yeah, and then Jasper, he has like some weird sexual (laughs) weird mom mom issues. (laughs) And then I believe at this point uh, (laughs) the baby that Marie and Alan are having is pretty much due. Like, she's having the baby right as they're meeting the mom. And they gotta go. Russell and Alan take Jasper's car and haul ass to the hospital. Russell is driving this, by the way. And he basically figures out how to drive from action films. But as you do, he starts speeding and they get chased by the cops. Eventually they make it to the hospital, but the cops are still chasing Alan. And they make it. To... Yeah, it's your stereotypical like in comedy, yeah. rushing through the airport or rushing to. And yeah, then that's how usually at these that point we have the most rushing to someplace. I would say you my bro and... moment. He took one for the team. Ethan was with Marie. Keep in mind, Ethan and Alan look identical. Like they're they're all six tuplets, but. Among them, Alan and Ethan are the most identical. Alan decides to <laughs> swap clothes with Ethan, and Ethan offers. And then he goes, holla at your boy, and the police just tackle <laughs> Ethan to the ground. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was where the police didn't just open up on him. You know, but I mean, <laughs> right there in the hospital. It, it all panned out. They're like, yeah, he's in the, the hospital. Whole family so. together, <laughs> we, minus Baby Pete in the Bahamas sipping all alcohol with Alice Kidney. But I don't know. I, I feel like I've kind of yeah. missed these these uh, these kind of films. You don't really see them no more. You know, I was doing some research mm. on this movie. And it has a 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's probably lower than that now. And the majority of people, it, it's <laughs> it's one of the top 10 uh, bad movies on Netflix, on many sites. And I have to say that it irritates me when black comedians, especially from the Marlon Wayans era, um, they rely on... Oh. Black people do this, white people do that. You know what I mean? Those kind of jokes. And (laughs) there, and there was just a lot of, just it was kind of dry. But and I and and I also knew it was gonna be a bad movie when the honestly, I was uh, the intro song. What's the name of that song? The very first one. Get all of the siblings to even remember what that song was. I, yeah, I should have I should have wrote it down what the name of that song is. But if you watch that movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's a very generic comedy song that they play in a lot of comedies, just when stuff is happening for no reason. And it's just your stereotypical comedy. But 
Me With too. all that against it, I will have to say I like the movie. <laughs> I thought uh, originally when I like saw the first yeah, few minutes, was, I thought I was it like, was charming. I'm okay with the humor. It's, it's going to look nice. And then I saw Russell, and I was like, okay, here we go. And then I saw Don, and I was like, oh, where's this going? And then I saw the rest of the cast, and I was like, okay, okay, I see how it is. I thought after Marie found out who Ethan yeah. was, Ethan was done. I thought they were gonna have to like spring him from jail or something, but Ethan turned out to be. A soft character and and yeah. a real brother to Ethan or uh, to Alan in the end. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. I mean that could have went left real quick. Like there's a lot of things that just could have went wrong. I mean it, it did go wrong with the movie, but for some reason I liked it. <laughs> like Russell, I, there's something about Russell that just bothered me. I don't know what it, what uh, was. It was very, it was very weird. Uh, and Don was a borderline offensive right. character. And Marlon Wayans wasn't black. And it was a white person that portrayed this character or wrote this movie or was starring or, you know, was like a producer. I'm sure it probably wouldn't have done as well. Or, you know, it if Marlon Wayans wasn't like the head of the movie in a white person, it would have it been offensive. And and then Ethan's character would, would have been <laughs> offensive as well. And Jasper, I thought he was just downright hilarious. So everything. And uh, but Baby P, he was borderline offensive too. And I'm not I'm not saying I was offended because I don't get offended by much. Um, but I can understand some people would say that that was offensive. I I, I I made some notes here, and I just going over the movie. Like I didn't really get my first laugh until Russell and. <laughs> Alan were in the hotel room after their um, after they got together and decided to go on the road trip. And Russell uppercuts him into the wall. He also he also prefaces beforehand. By I saying, thought that I was hilarious. For some, I don't know why I laughed. <laughs> and, and... Yeah, that was gross. I, I, I thought it was weird too that. Um, I don't know if I thought it was funny, but I just made a note that it was where that Russell was zipping up his, pulling up his pants and zipping them up after he said that he was trying to uh, get milk from the bowl uh, for his cereal. Because Russell has this fed, uh, obsession with cereal throughout the movie. And I, oh, he violated, he violated that, that bowl. bowl. Like, why was he, why didn't he need to pull up his pants and zip them up? To, to milk a bowl. And, I, and yes, yes, uh, people, I do know that a bowl does not have milk. I know that. Uh, but <laughs> oh, no. what, he did more than milk it. If he was zipping up and pulling up yeah. his pants. The, the, movie, the movie was weird. But so I, yeah, I, I will I say that, that, was, that yeah, if, that if was this weird. offends people, and then that, honestly, th this is a lot of the comedy that was going around in the early 2000s to, I would say, up till the 2010s. Not many people had a problem with this. Because this comedy, it wasn't meant to just make fun of a specific person with some kind of impediment. It wasn't no. to call out a specific stereotype. This is just a movie that someone wanted to make. And it had these <laughs> characters. It's not like Marlon Waynes was saying, oh, look at this, you know, hood rat character. This is how all of them are. No. He just wanted to make comedy. 
It's probably just his. Yeah, just probably his experience growing up from some of the women he met. I I, I did want to add too that uh, the funniest thing in that movie that <laughs> made me chuckle the the hardest was Ethan uh, talking to uh, Michael oh. Ian Black's character uh, Doug in the office when they first meet in the office. Yeah. He's asking them about, was it Mother's Day? He needed help doing an ad or something like that. And Ethan says, uh, he he asks him for his, uh, he's like, can you help me out with this ad I'm trying to do? And Ethan, of course, is from the streets. So he doesn't know, but he he tells him, he gives him a quote uh, for a card, I think. And he says, most kids get hugs and kisses from their mama, and those memories last. <laughs> but I don't have those memories, mama, because you left me in the trash. <laughs> and, and I don't know. There was, was, there was a lot of subtle moments. Like, call back to abandonment. Oh my God. But I. I, I I got a good chuckle when uh when Alan found his uh, birth certificate and there was a <laughs> listing of the parents and they said no father <laughs> Marie and Alan just looked at each other like mm-hmm <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it, but it was good fun it was interesting I, yeah. I enjoyed it <laughs> more than I thought I would uh. Enjoyment wise, I would give it, you know, four out of ten, five. What would you give it? No, uh, actual wise, I would give it a two, three. Yeah. A, a guilty pleasure, I give it a five. Objectively. Oh, man. All right. Let's move on to the next like one we got uh, The Outpost. This one is starring Scott Eastwood as Staff Sergeant Clint Romershaw and Caleb Landry Jones as Staff Sergeant Ty Carter. Uh, this follows those two characters and Bravo Troop 361 during the most horrific battle of the Afghanistan wars, or at least one of the most horrific battles, which is the Battle of Camp Keating, which took, play in, took place, I believe, in 2009. This this uh, this movie is uh, based off a true story, again, off of the event Correct. of Camp Keating. Yeah, it's based off... Um, in 2012, yeah. the outpost and on touch. Uh, I, I believe this is one of the of first battles where there's two Medal of Honor recipients who are alive. In the same battle. And yeah, there are only two recipients to receive. It starts it that, off that the movie alive. as you follow the troop getting airdropped into one of the worst encampments I've ever seen. Like it's it's basically in a gorge. Tactically, it's a death zone. And right as they get dropped off, you yeah. see it. It's just in the bottom of a ravine in the mountain. And right when they get off the plane, they're already shot at. So this tells you it, it's not going to be PG Keen over there. And they look at their CEO, who... <laughs> This might throw you off when you first see the film. It's Orlando freaking Bloom. 
He puts a southern twang with, on it with and a he's British got a shaved head. Accent, but he puts a southern twang on it. <laughs> I can't but it's still I can't southern. attempt to even <laughs> try to reenact the voice. It's it's this weird drawl that he does. I cannot place my finger on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's but, definitely but uh, but okay, but so so they meet exactly. him as the CEO, <laughs> and and they meet the rest of the cast. It and as weird. with most war movies, does they ingratiate you with the group? They do like the whole fun things. They see how soldiers interact during wartime. The main thing that these people are trying to do in the encampment is try to, in their CEO words, separate the Taliban from the regular people, and they're trying to make good relations with them. That's basically what they're trying to do with the whole film, other than trying to survive. And eventually things go south, and a whole battle tips off. But before this, the dangers that they mostly face are, I guess would say, natural. And then it escalates to the enemies, like Taliban or terrorists. I think Orlando's character got killed. Uh, yeah, he he basically got killed uh, driving a truck through a narrow passage yeah. of, I I guess a cliff, and it just falls off, and that's him dead. <laughs> really? I didn't even know oh. that was him until like a half an hour later. <laughs> oh, no, I was like, "Where's Orlando Bloom?" <laughs> Right. It takes me a minute to um, but, recognize the characters I mean, in these I mean, war movies but, but, because but they all wear the same uniform. It, it mostly falls, which is uh, Clint Romashaw and then the other one being Carter. Uh, those two are pretty distinctive, and it follows them most of all. Romashaw is pretty much a straight-laced army guy who mm-hmm. has a good head on his shoulders. He's calm. He knows what he's doing. Carter's like the butt of the group. Everybody makes fun of this dude. They make him do all the like the the dirty work, literally sometimes. Yeah. And and as I was watching this movie, I thought he was gonna pull a full metal jacket and just shoot someone. That, that's what yeah. I thought too. He in, didn't do that. Movie I've seen him in. He plays that type of character. Uh no, uh, he was he... the banshee. He was Angel, right? Banshee, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's played by uh, Caleb Landry Jones. And he he was in uh, Superbad, No Country for Old Men, Long Shots, Last Exorcism, Social Network, and uh, most notably, X-Men First Class. And all those movies, like, I, he always plays, like, I don't know if it's, like, his character. It's, somebody, just, it's just but... his face, I think. It's, I just always get yeah, the full metal jacket, but like one. he's gonna snap I mean, at he, any point. He has a point with what he was saying during yeah. some of these conversations because he's basically saying we this shouldn't be happening, you know, we should be helping each other. And a lot of the other like men are just venting their frustrations out on this dude. You kind of feel for him. But a, a, as it goes along, they get a new CEO, another commanding officer, pretty pretty yeah. straight laced guy. Pretty tough looking dude. You think he's gonna survive probably till like the end of the film. No, this dude gets taken out on a bridge by an explosion. I think like 15 minutes after his introduction. 
and basically the whole camp is on edge now. They're, they're yeah. pretty much in a hellhole. They keep getting attacked. The relationship with the locals ain't getting better. And I think at one point their new CEO just stays in the base the entire time. He doesn't even get out of his office. <laughs> there was one moment in the film where uh, he gave, I believe, Carter's character a whole crate of piss that he has to burn. Which tells you that he hasn't left that room in like forever. Yeah. And again, I didn't realize uh, that captain, the captain before him, uh, that got blown up on a bridge. I didn't realize that was their captain until. Okay, eventually after this point, the dude that stays in his room all day, he uh, basically gets a free ticket out there. And he tells everybody else that they're going to be eventually leaving. Before that happens, of course, they get attacked by the locals in freaking force. Like the whole of the country is coming after them at this point. So before that, though, but they handle it every single well. day. They get sniper fire. They get uh, machine gun fire rained down on them from the mountaintops. Uh, yeah, they handle it pretty well. Sometimes people get killed. Um, sometimes people don't. But every single day they're getting shot at randomly. And there's this one guy, Muhammad, that they have uh, with them that tells them the Taliban is coming. The Taliban is coming. And they don't believe him. And he's been saying that, doing the chicken little bit for days, uh, weeks, and they don't believe them. And eventually, they bring saying, the full force the of Taliban whatever they actually got does come on that and base they bring, they bring the on noise. this horrific like encampment. It's so bad. It's Basically, if you could imagine a massive spiral when you look at your drain and look at the bottom, that's where the encampment is. And the, the battle goes on, and then eventually people start to die. Most of yeah. the people who you've seen from the film at this point are going to die here. And as, as typical movies go, uh, you see the battle start to deteriorate, more people start to die. And then you see two people stand out in the battle. One being Roma Shaw, who assesses the situation pretty quickly. He's able to pretty much hold down most of the areas he's encamped in. And then you also have Carter, who's basically uh, the ammo runner. He's he's running everywhere. He's trying to get everybody supplies. And eventually, uh, they all get trapped. Yeah. I think I think Carter ends up in an SUV, was it? Like a Humvee? Right. He ends up in that Humvee with about, I believe, six other soldiers. Eventually, they try to get out yeah, of there. Yeah, with and... the Another it doesn't go well. Most of them pretty much die. Uh, and there's one dude actually who gets injured who near the Humvee and Carter is trying to get to him and they keep telling him, no, no, you can't do it. You're going to die. And Carter just look at him like, I can get him. I can get him. I can get him the entire time. And he does. He goes out there and helps him. And, and the guy who's the butt of the joke in the entire film, the guy who basically you didn't think was going to amount to anything in the film, ended up Saving, I, I would say he pretty much saved half the squad he was with. Yeah, and then Roma Shah doing his normal hero stuff, 
Yeah. Was just wrecking yeah, everybody. He was the MVP. Eventually, Him and Romashaw. they won the battle. And Romashaw and Carter were one of the few that were left. But mm-hmm. man. Yeah, Romashaw by uh, Scott 100%. Eastwood. Uh, Scott Eastwood looking 100% like his daddy. <laughs> He got the <laughs> smile lines in his eyes. He has that grizzly, you know, dirty. I swear to God, dirty, you, you puff up his hair, give him a forty-four yeah, bag, and put him in a suit. He'll just do that movie just fine. That's how he talks in the movie. Yeah, he looked just like his daddy. Yeah, I, dude, this movie when you recommended it. Uh, to, for us to watch. I was hesitant to watch it because I was like, ah, it's a Netflix movie. I don't really feel like watching a Netflix movie, but this and, movie was uh, amazing. And it's even more amazing that it was a true story. It's really sad. Uh, there's seven companies total during that battle. Yeah. And it's just terrible that they had to deal with that for no reason pretty much that they're holding that position. Uh, the president of Afghanistan didn't want them to he kept postponing the closing of the base. And it, I'm not even going to go there, but it, it just, it, the politics of it for these people to affect these people's lives like this for no reason uh, is just terrible. It made a lot of heroes and everything. And then it, it was hard to watch a little bit of it because mm. it was true. But the thing that like uh, put a knot in my throat was the end credits. Uh, watching the real guys talk about their bat- the battle and watching their, their essentially their brothers die in battle. And I, I will say my just, yeah, uh, favorite performance of that film was toward the end of the movie with Caleb Jones, get through the where he was talking with a psychiatrist. It. He deserves some kind of award just for that two minutes alone. Oh, um, yeah, that that where yeah, the effects he... of the battle you see them start to affect him psychologically he's breaking down he's yeah, crying he's trying gonna, to get yeah. a hold of himself and he's just saddened by what he wasn't able to do which was save some of his squad mates from death he did more than anybody. and it's not I like mean, carter was just running he was also firing movie on anyway. Combatants. he uh, was also like the two main heroes relaying information about battle and he did everything he could yeah and what a danger yeah and it was just yeah he he played the hell out of that character even like when he was panicking in the car he was like yeah scared and freaking out and everything but then also he was like I gotta get the guy I gotta get the guy and right. yeah but then you, yeah, that's you, you just wanted to give the guy a hug a, a base psychologist that yeah that and, put a knot in my throat and then they cut the credits and yeah, it was like, and I, I think that for me it, it, it made him an underrated yeah. actor for me I, mean, you know, I, I feel like he should him. have more roles now just based off of that film Yeah, I definitely <laughs> Yeah. 
I made I made a couple notes here saying that yeah, Scott Eastwood looks just like his daddy. Orlando Bloom's accent is terrible. Carter is a weirdo and psycho in every movie that I've seen him in. And one thing that bothers me about these war movies, no, they just discombobulate. They either not kill in uh, real helicopter, war, but the RPGs never kill anybody. But they they never they never really they like, always... kill enemy combatants or anybody or like any soldiers. Yeah, they'll blow. Well, yeah, swimming and they'll get up. To, to be to be fair. But yeah, uh, it, it did kill one person, right but now. it was off camera. But it won't ever. You have to get a direct hit. It seems like. Yeah, there was a guy who says, uh, "I think he was on one of the uh, fifty cal guns, and he was lasering people." And oh, then he says, "I'm out of ammo." <laughs> and then at one point, he says, "We're going to go help you," and he says, "Oh crap! There's an RPG pointed at me," and then it cuts out. I, I, I think I think in those kind of instances with those kind of like deaths, and a lot of filmmakers mm. do this. It's worse to imagine what happened to him than actually yeah. seeing it. Oh yeah, I. It, it'd be worse to be in that base and get captured. Did he? I, th- oh, I thought it was I glossed uh, over that. that. Oh my Specialist goodness. Daniel Rodriguez. He played himself in the movie. You remember that? Yeah, I think. In the end credits, he was like, "I don't, well, I don't think it's ever been done." Everyone wants to go acting. Somebody's been able start. to play themselves in a war movie, and yeah, he played himself. Yeah, all those people. It kind of, yeah, I got to And then the the uh, no, no, he lived. He, he was the, the third CEO that stayed in the room all day. Um, had like crates of piss. I think he died, right? No, he lived, didn't he? Those two black guys. Oh, yeah, he died. No, no, no. Oh, there were two black guys. Yeah. The, the one with the uh, golden golden tooth. Oh, did he? Okay. Right. He's played really? by Corey Hardrick. He's uh, married to one of the Maori sisters. Uh, Tia, I think he is. Oh, but my goodness. I, I, I remember him and... American Sniper. I don't remember him. And I remember, I remember him. him in American I love the film. Do you remember him? I in love Battle? that film, but I don't remember him in there. I thought he was an American Sniper. Hmm. Maybe, maybe I'm. I thought I saw him in American Sniper. Maybe not. But yeah, war, war movies in general to me either fall into like one or two categories. They could either be really messed like up over there or also, interesting. And I sad. might be wrong about that. There is no in between. It's either one of those two. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah, this one. I would was, give uh, it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I thought I thought it was really well made. As a ninety-three percent. Same here. I felt like it did just I enough for me that it, it was. I, Amazing, and then when they put the, I would give it. This was real at the end, and I looked up the events. I was like, oh, okay, well, this just cements it. This is one of the ones. I, I I would say it's one of my favorite war movies, just because it didn't drain on. Yeah, <clears throat> it's one of my favorite war movies mm-hmm. of the last ten years or so. Yeah, definitely. It, yeah, that was a. He did pretty well. 
Except for and one moment like, where I think uh, the Scott only part of him that I didn't play. like was when he was going back I thought to he the did a really good job in this movie. Uh, I, I I think it was their main encampment they were relaying information from. And I thought he went into just typical Hollywood actor moment. Not like character. He's just like, F that. Let me do this, sir. I thought that was kind of cheesy. But other than that, it was it was great. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I guess we'll move on to our yeah, next gotta, topic, which is video do game news. Do you got anything for mm-hmm. this week? Oh. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. I do. Fortnite Season 6 begins. Laura Croft. What are you? Skins are out. What are you doing right it's now? It's a primal theme. It's single player <laughs> content. You got any thoughts? You, you hate this game. What, what do you mean? I'm just saying. I'm, it, this is big news because look, I was hating on this game for a while. I'll admit that, but my son plays it. Uh, my wife plays it with him. I, I've never touched it myself, but I do find it entertaining to watch. Uh, my my son and my wife play it. So, and season six is out, and that's a big event. I will say for me, Fortnite is just and, one of those games where I cannot try. Yeah, I cannot looks, stand when I'm shooting maps, at somebody and they build a look pretty cool. A hundred foot skyscraper just from one pistol bullet. I get it. it, it it's it's great to see other people play. But doing that thing by myself, but even if with other people, mm. it's nauseating to me. I can't yeah. play that kind of game. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it takes a little while to get used to, I think. Um, but it's, it's ridiculously huge. I mean, Neymar Jr. is in it. And the- the trailer, I didn't know that until today. The trailer for uh, the newest the newest Fortnite trailer that came out was directed oh by the goodness. Russo brothers. I, I think it was blasphemy that they added like, they, they added Master Chief it's, and Kratos from Godboard in into, into that game. I mean, I mean, you 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 could do all these like cutesy emotes with Kratos, and I'm like, stop, stop, stop. Oh, they got stop, everybody. Stop. In it. It's ridiculous. All the property. Yeah, they got Ripley, the alien. I'm wondering when this craze of battle royale Mando, will end, if it Deadpool, ever ends. Wolverine. Yeah, everybody, everything's in that now. Yeah, I, I, I think it'll be it's, here to stay. I think a lot I'm of not a fan of it. Really enjoy this thing. For the life of me, I can't. I like PUBG, Apex. I can't get into those. And even then, yeah, some of those are getting kind of great now. I like old-fashioned old PvP. Well, this has to what? do with, I guess, kind of related. Yeah. Uh, Denuvo is coming you, to PS5 about combat cheating. It's a, it's an engine that most people are familiar with, Denuvo. Uh, it's an anti-cheating software that they use. It's primarily been used on a lot of 
uh, previous consoles, I believe on PC after a certain amount of time. Uh, it's made by id Software. Um, actually, no, I don't think it's made by id Software, but uh, but it's like it's basically an anti like cheating device that they're implementing to try to curb a lot of the people in other games like Call of Duty, Fortnite, and others from just screwing up everybody else's enjoyment. I don't, and, and they said in this article that it'll help bring cheating to an end. They'll, they'll never help get rid of cheating. It's always going to be a thing. They'll find a way. I, I feel like this is pointless to even rant about cheaters because it'll still happen no, yeah. no matter what if you there's do. There's a will, there's a way. No, no. This is just going to be software that's already implemented into the PS5. And I believe it'll just interface with most of your games. Um, I think they'll do it for pretty much all the ones that Mm. they'll have in the future and even the ones that are currently out. But again, this is going to do nothing. It might do something for like two days, three days, a week even. And it'll just go back to normal. I mean, I I played Modern Warfare back in the day no. when it originally came out. There was hackers yeah. in those lobbies. It's, I just it, left the room. It's borderline what Netflix is doing. I think I think what one system did is uh, I, I believe it might have been Call of Duty. They basically found all the cheaters and put them in the same lobby with each other, so they couldn't play with ordinary people. So basically, the cheaters were against cheaters. <laughs> I thought that was smart. Cheat at any game, you need to put the controller PC away. I mean, why? It, it's yeah. it's no enjoyment to Maybe anybody, including yourself. You Maybe for like two minutes. You're not getting any money off it, so what's the point? I don't know. It's it's, it's ridiculous to me that you need to do that at, at any point yeah. to get an advantage. I understand if you're doing it in sports to a degree, because yeah. these people are making like millions of dollars. Yeah, I, I mean, I can understand, kind of understand what COVID going on. You got nothing else going on. You, you might want to feel good about yourself in the video game <laughs> platform, but, but <laughs> cheating never appealed to me. I, we, we have this mutual friend, OG. The preface: This guy even got one of the worst reputations. I, I can see him doing something platform. like that just to troll. <laughs> He would talk mad smack, and, and and we and we love him for it. Goddamn, we miss him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'll do... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Was hilarious. I got, oh um... yeah, it's breaking a lot of people's consoles. I don't you know hear, what they're you doing hear about the GTA Online update. Is breaking. Breaking the game for a lot of people. They can't fix their own game for crap. They even paid a mod yeah, to help with GTA are a lot times. different, but it's mostly on Xbox and Xbox Series X and X. How do you have somebody outside your company who's not even a worker dedicate his own time to fixing your games, which yeah, brings in that. billions? It, it's ridiculous to me. They screwed over Red Dead 2 with that. 
It shows that they don't care. I think it's just pretty much gone at this point. There's nothing to do. Yeah, I think Red Dead 2's online population dwindled quick. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been in there, but yeah. And I I don't understand how they're you're supposed to test these updates before you put them out and you're getting billions of dollars a year just from GTA alone. So I don't understand why why you would release this update and it's breaking people's you know, people aren't able to play GTA. They have to uninstall I don't want to have to do 500 different things just to get my game to work. I do some stuff with their NAT. And it's just yeah, a lot of inconvenience. <laughs> yeah. All right. On to our next discussion, which is sports news. What you got? Oh. I just found out today. Apparently, this happened in January. But my boy, Sean Bradley, uh, he's a 90s center. Correct. uh, Mostly played with the. Dallas Maverick. It was a car accident, I believe. Uh, he was par- he's paralyzed from a bicycle accident. He's like, one, I think he's car, like, but otherwise he's uh seven. I don't know the extent of the paralysis. AD. Is it from the waist down so, or was it entirely a bicycle accident? It is. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, he's seven foot six. He was struck from behind by an automobile while riding mm. his bike. A block from his home. Damn. It uh, caused traumatic spinal cord injury that left him paralyzed. It, it doesn't say. That scares me. Using surgery. Like he's got the last he's hospitalized undergoing rehab, rehabilitation. But, wow. That's just, oh, man. My, my, but we are. Uh, we are I don't even say that. I, Could I you imagine being paralyzed? I just. I, I'll pray. At any portion? Awful. Right now. I mean, we 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 take a lot of things for granted. Just walking, every day. Yeah. And then he's seven foot six. Could you imagine not being able to do that anymore? It it it'd just be heartbreaking. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, condolences to him. Sorry. Man. Uh, I, I can't even imagine what he's going through mentally right now. Just the fact that he can't even just get up to get a glass of water anymore. It's. It. If I couldn't walk to my door right now, Wolf, I would just shut down. I would just cry. I mean, he's got a, he's got a mental test to go through. I got um oh oh LeBron James news for you. I'm sure you probably already know that he correct is a part. He and Maverick Carter Boston are the first black Red owners Sox of a major league baseball team. <laughs> no, first and last. <laughs> Boston in, in one of the most 
Boston. Boston. Sorry, lives in Boston, but it's one of the most historically, I guess, racist communities and cities in, in American racist. history. It, that that city hasn't been known for its diverse cast of, uh, right. sh- shall we say, minority owners. No, there's but no covert racism. I don't. I don't know what kind of precedent this, sell, this sets. <laughs> I mean, he he already owns part of Liverpool, I believe, and he wants to own an NBA team. I think the only one he would be able yeah, to yeah, get would does, be yeah. Cleveland. He's, he... Yeah, I mean, he's all, he's earned. Over a billion and he already dollars has just from his from NBA career. Many alone. different things. Uh, everything. Just I'm endorsing LeBron them, James. And I'm poor. Hey. No, I, I look at my bank <laughs> statements and apparently I what? don't need. Uh, wait, 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 you don't have that LeBron nah, James no, tax? No, 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 no. Here in LA, it's free for oh, us. Oh, you don't? I thought everybody paid that. Oh, he gives back to the community. Oh, it's free for y'all. Okay. <laughs> we we uh, get some LeBron James we, on we, our we, we do what you decide. We gotta pay that uh, businesses tax. That, that that's the hustle we got going on. We oh. pay his businesses. That's what it is. Oh, well, yeah, we gotta pay here. My goodness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got uh, yeah Russell Wilson. Uh, he was apparently the Bears offered three first round picks, a third, and two starters for Russell Wilson. That's and from the Bears, those first round picks are pretty pretty high. Oh, and this was uh, reported on the Dan Patrick show. And three first wow, round I, picks. I, yeah, I, that that leaves me speechless. Like, if Russell wants three Damn. first round picks, a third round pick, and two starters. Damn. Just for Russell Wilson. I mean, a, a lot of a lot yeah. of players are doing this lately, where they publicly want to get out of the system. I I respect that. <laughs> Look here, Russell. You listen, listen to Black Man of Seattle, all right? Listen to Wolf. You ain't going nowhere, <laughs> all right? You ain't, you ain't leaving me, all right? Let, let the man I ain't free. talking about Seattle. I'm talking about me. You need to, all right? No. What if he plays like crap for the rest of his you career? Going You're going to change your team right once he starts right? throwing three interceptions a game. Quick, get around. Hey, hey! I'm not putting on you. Hey. I'm putting it on Russell. Don't you put that on us, all right? Are you sure? Russell, Russell would never do that to us. I don't know, man. Russell, he spends too Russell much. Russell has been a good daddy to all of Seattle. Right? <laughs> That's all I see of it. Oh my god! You still, you still on that L'Oreal commercial? All I'm saying is that he needs to figure out his situation and make sure that both parties yeah, come out on top. Because if one person gets screwed over, or if one team gets screwed over, it's going to make Russell look like an ass. 
Yeah. I mean, the Seahawks are going to come out on top no matter what. We're going to get – I mean, you can see just by what the Bears offered, what people think Russell Wilson is worth. But the teams that are giving all that just to get Russell yeah, when he's there. already – how old is Russell? He's like 32, 33 now. Yeah, so he's a little – he's in his prime right now quarterback-wise, but he's got a couple couple years left uh, before he's out of his prime. So it's, those teams better be careful what they're giving up. It's going to be a win now do you think, situation for whoever, whoever picks up Russell. Do you think he would stay uh, if they, anywhere if that he gets traded? Well, we ain't let him go. All right, Pete. All right, hey, Schneider. Man, you talk to Pete Carroll. That's who he's got beef with. We keep him, Russell. I'm talking to Pete Carroll right now. All right? A black man in Seattle says, don't put he goes to the Russell Saints, anywhere I'm hear you but in the Seattle kitchen. All right? All the way over here. No, you're going <laughs> you're gonna to hear me playing all that same Bourbon Street music. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll switch up real quick. <laughs> Man. Wherever Russell go, I go. I really hope right? he doesn't leave. <laughs> He's been with y'all forever, it seems like. And if he goes out, man, I don't know what that does for your city. Yeah. It destroys it. It's like, yeah, it's just... Uh, I, I, <laughs> I might have to go go on and see how we about that. Cause y'all, it's we're like we. I mean, people always joke that the Mariners are the farming system for the rest of the Major League Baseball. <laughs> which which we pretty much are. We develop all these really good players while while they're with us, and then we trade. We're them basically a bag of corn chips for for nothing. And yeah, and Seattle Seahawks have been really good about keeping our players in their primes, and then releasing them when they're not good Mm. anymore. So I I I hope I think you guys should be fine. But but again, given what's out there right now, I don't think anybody outside of maybe the Chiefs, the Bucks, I I don't know who else I would add to that mix right now as being. Like favorites for a Super Bowl for the next few years. Yeah, but how much does Drew Brees have left in the tank? Saints. One, two. I mean, but he got oh, he got manhandled in the playoffs. Two years. Yeah. I yeah, just but he was already injured. The Rams didn't choke against the Pats. That game was the worst Super Bowl I've seen. And oh, my, we're not going the, there. All right. The, worst the Saints would have done a better job. Yeah. That game was a nightmare for offense. I literally got food for that, and I finished it in the first. 20 minutes because I just try to keep myself entertained. 
uh, Jared Goff. How do you how do you pronounce your quarterback first name? Jeff or Geoff? Who's now with Detroit? We got Jared. See, I don't even recognize his first name. Detroit getting in the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the quarterback they want, but the quarterback they deserve. Man. <laughs> See how they go. I mean, well, sorry, they, they won a championship back in. Uh, That's not what is real, man. Come on, man. 2003 with the Pistons? Is that the last one they had? Hasn't I seen one since? Yeah. Did Say again? Oh, yeah, we got Matthew Stafford. Did, did the Rams get Stanton for golf? How dare you? <laughs> oh, that's right, Stafford. Not St- I don't know why I'm thinking Stanton. My bad. Yeah, that's not... That's a... Lose, lose. Neither one of those quarterbacks yeah. are any. I mean, Stafford is better than. To uh, be Goff, fair, though, the the Rams are very good about replacing. I mean, we kind of lose. Maybe, we we lost Todd Gurley, yeah. and then we got like Cam Akers. Better than Todd right now. Who? Yeah. But, oh, you should. You know, I don't recognize. <laughs> we wrecked y'all in the running game. Akers? Last two times we played, y'all. <laughs> the, the Rams? Hey, they're, they're, they're in L.A.? Man, you salty. Man, you salty about this. <laughs> I don't recognize. The Rams can lose to everybody else, recognize. but we'll always win against y'all. <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. I mean, I can't even argue that. You guys got our number. Man, either the Mariners or, or the yeah. Seahawks got to win a championship before you lose your mind. Yeah. If the, if the Mariners or the Seahawks win a championship? Yeah, not the Seahawks, but if the Mariners win the championship, <laughs> I, I I would probably on the spot. I probably die. What? If the Mariners Seahawks, was the last time die. you guys made the playoffs? Was it when uh, Ichiro was there and y'all made like 112 games? My goodness, I think it was Ichiro's first year. First or second year. I wasn't around then, so I don't. But yeah, yeah, it was more than 16 years ago before I got here. Playoff, not even, not even championship or NLCS or anything like that, or ALCS. But all right, yeah, we'll uh, we'll stop this here we'll before I make you cry. Almost two decades. <laughs> On to our last discussion for today, which is the unsung hero, the Robert Ori Award. We got a pretty <laughs> we got we got an interesting one for you uh, today. Ori, Ori, and this one is a singer off of one song. Take it away. Yes. So this song is a classic Elton John song. 
made in 1986, I believe. And I I I never realized it, but he has uh, two background singers on it. And the main one off of actually I'll, I'll just play I'll just play I'll just play a little piece the, the most important part of the song the end the the last worth it uh 20 seconds of the song I'll play it right, right here I might get copyrighted mm, you might have to bump it up I can't hear it too much <laughs> I heard it a little bit there It was it was a little choppy there. It, it wasn't too clear, but now, at the end, you heard some angelic vocals. What? What's? It, it, <laughs> it's only two notes what, he what, does. He, he goes. And, uh, the tiny snap on that is it's the last twenty seconds of the song, so it's like. It's a four minute and 52 second video on YouTube. The song is called Nikita uh, by Elton John. One of my favorite songs by Elton John. I, I, I love Elton John. I'm a super huge Elton John fan. <laughs> Pre-Lion King. Anything after the Lion King, I don't like of Elton John. Uh, everything before. It, it, I know he's sensitive about that kind of stuff. and But yeah, anything pre-Lion King, Elton John, I'm a ridiculous fan of. I, I was... It's just the last 20 seconds of the song, Nikita. And uh, he has uh, a lot of of help on that song. He has uh, Dave Maddox on drums, David Patton on bass, Nick Kershaw on electronic guitar and backup vocals, Fred Mandel, He's on the synthesizer, and Davey Johnston uh, is also on backup vocals. But the man that you hear that I just played, I did not know this until today. Wait, what? That was hitting those beautiful notes was your boy, George Michael. George Michael <laughs> is the one that sings those, sings those notes at the end of that song there. This whole time, I did no. not know it was George Michael. The George Michael. And I knew Elton John and George Michael were friends for a while, but I've always I've always played this song with my kids and my wife and always sing that last part, try to hit that note as hard, hard as I can always. And they're always looking at me like I'm out of my mind. But I I just I just never knew. And, and that those last notes have stuck with me since I was a kid. And it makes the song. And it's all about what the Robert Ori wanted. You did it's, it perfectly. It's the definition of Robert Ori. Here you have one job. George Michael. <laughs> just go to his early song. I, I recommend everything before 1990. 
Uh, you could do one more try and careless whisper. Those are, those are the ones I would. Yes, yes, yes. Definitely. Recommend. And, and and you you could get a sense of the vocals we're talking about. He hit yeah, that note like yeah, it was <laughs> like his life depended on it. It. <laughs> He's. I don't even. I, I don't even know what the inspiration for him to be like. I'm gonna like do the highest note at the end of the song, Elton. <laughs> oh, he must have snuck in the studio late at night when Elton was gone, and uh, just before they put on the master, he was like, "I'm put. I'm gonna put a little stank on it." <laughs> it was one singular high note. And he that and went he into killed it, man. another octave. He killed it. That, that 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 was it. But it's the one thing in that in that song, other than it being yeah. great, that you remember about it. Yeah, it just stuck. Yeah, that always stuck with me, and that I I cannot believe for all these years, I did not know it was George Michael. Because we, you, you, you and I both both thought he was that is um, crazy, yeah. like just some unnamed singer. That oh, was there, did his job and left. He he made his mark on the world, but no, it was George freaking Michael. Yeah, well, that was kind of good. Mm. I was like, "There's no way that's Elton John. Elton John doesn't sing like that. He he got he's got yeah. a little bit of range, but uh, George Michael has a whole different type of range than." You did your job no, and you John. did it perfectly. So, yeah, God, uh, rest <laughs> in peace, George Michael. Congratulations. Yeah, one job, you did it perfectly. <laughs> you get this week's Robert Ori Award. Uh... All right, people, and with that, <laughs> our podcast is at its end. This week, <laughs> we, 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 we had some interesting things going on this week. You you were you were ham. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did we covered a lot of things. Uh, we might I don't know. We, we might have uh we might do a little little special Zack Snyder oh, we definitely episode do that. to discuss uh, what we thought about the just Justice League. Or we just might make the whole episode yeah, about we might do a little special cut. in between now and our next. There's episode. so much in that film we'll to digest. It's four hours. Yeah, my, my yeah, it goes. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it's uh, forty minutes. The original film only contained like forty minutes of Snyder oh, stuff. I can't. So I can't, I can't it's going to be two, three hours and twenty minutes of new footage. Yeah. Give it to me. Tomorrow. Give it to me, HBO. Two more hours. Two more hours. <laughs> well, with that, people, our podcast yeah, is I need to write my it ends. I am Lynn. I'm the Asian man in LA. It's your boy Wolf, Black Man in Seattle. Please subscribe. Give us a five-star review if you like what you heard. Our social media will be coming out soon. Shout out to Anchor. Thanks for uh, <laughs> helping us with this podcast. Shout out to George Michael again. <laughs> Congratulations. Have a good one. Uh, Robert Ori Award. 